Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series for 2008. Now here is Pastor Scott Bloyer. Well, the last couple of weeks we've been talking about sex. Um, I had a mom tell me, you know, we do the same series with the middle school and high school kids. And she said that she overheard her son talking to someone on the phone. He says, yeah, we're talking about sex in church. She was like, are you going to finish the statement <laughs> talking about sex about in, you know, the biblical context? He just said sex in church. And she's like, no, 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 <laughs> talking about sex at the church, not sex in church, you know. And so she was like, I was waiting for it. So she had to run into the other room. Wait, finish that. So I thought that was pretty cool. It's okay, by the way, we're in church. It's okay to laugh. Just want to remind you. Some of you are like, oh, we're at church. Can we be serious? I, I hope not. So, um. We've been talking about sex and sexuality. We've been talking about what does the Bible say about it. We've been talking about, you know, what are the boundaries we're supposed to walk through when it comes to sex and sexuality. Uh, Last week, Ken talked about the distortion of sexuality. You know, there are a lot of things that the Bible says about sex and sexuality. I mean, it's very clear, goes through it and talks about it. In fact, when I grew up in church, we didn't talk about it. Uh, we, We didn't talk about sex and sexuality. I mean... I grew up hearing it was bad, don't do it, it's wrong, it's nasty, you'll get a disease, and you know, just don't do it. And you know, so I'll be honest with you, I was sexually active in high school. And when they kept saying that, I was like, <laughs> uh, you must be doing it wrong, because <laughs> that's not what I'm understanding about it. You know, I just, you know, but then they didn't tell me though that every person that I slept with I was gonna bring into my marriage with me. Uh, they didn't tell me that I was giving a part of myself away every time I did. They, they didn't tell me that emotionally I was going to have to walk through that. See, that's why we've been walking through this as a church family, is it's important that we talk about the things that we address in our life. And so this morning, as we talk about sexual freedom, we're going to be talking about the areas of our life where, what if I made a mistake? What if I've gotten to a place where I'm confused? What are those things that have gone in my life? What, what if? I made a mistake. I mean, we've all had to walk through that. So what we're, when we talk about sexual freedom, we're talking about going from wrecked to restored. All right, we're going to talk about what does God say about that. Uh, I'll be honest, when I was in high school, I had a 1967 candy apple red Mustang, Boss 302 engine. Oh, right? It's a lovely car. I, you know, I had a Hurst shifter. I could stand on the brake and smoke the tires. <laughs> Not that you're supposed to do that. That's bad. So I've been told, you know, and so, you know, I love this car. This is a car I bought on my own. It was mine. I paid for it. I love this. It was, <laughs> my mom bought me, you know, the red fuzzy dice, you know, you put in it. I had a Bronco sticker on the back of it because that's the godly thing to do, <laughs> you know? So, you know, yeah, stop it. I know I'm in Raider territory and I might get shanked for saying that, but um, it's one of those things where this was my car. I loved my, I mean, black interior, you know, I put on the, you know, the special buttons for the doors that had knobs, you know, for those of us that don't understand, all cars didn't open with the little push button. This is an older car. <laughs> so I had some, I had a kid the other day, he was like, walked up, he's pushing, I'm like, dude, you got to grab the handle and push, oh yeah, I'm like, hooked on phonics, did me good, you know, so. We've got this thing, you know, so I've got this, I love this car, it's my favorite, I mean, so I, I mean, I took it away, it was in high school, I took it away to college, I came back for a Christmas break, and I, I come home, my dad says, hey, let's go skiing, I'm like, great, he goes, I'll drive, leave your car here, leave your keys to your mom. Let's pray right now, no, I'm just kidding. So I leave the keys, 
Uh, we go up skiing all day long. We come back. It's about 7, 8 o'clock at night, dark. And I walk in the house, and my mom's like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, what happened? She's like, you didn't see your car? No. She's like, it was an accident. guy went through. I'm so sorry. And I'm just like, are you okay? She's like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm, I'm so sorry. So I go out there, and I'm like standing there, and I look at my beautiful Mustang. And the back end is now over here. And the back tires are like this. And I'm looking, I go, <laughs> my car. I walked in the house and I did the godly thing. I was like, what were you thinking? <laughs> She's like, I didn't know. He went through a red light and hit me. I'm like, you should have known. You know, <laughs> come on. And so we, you know, I, you know, and then I went back and I was just, I'm like, I'm so glad you're okay and sister, and you know, but my car, you know, so I'm going back, you know, I had that dual personality thing going on. So I go back out and I'm looking at the car and I'm just thinking, oh, this is horrible until my dad goes, well, the insurance company said they'll give you this much money. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Check, please. You know, I got a new car. But I'll be honest with you, I was really upset. I, you know, now that I'm older and I, ha- I love that car, I thought, you know what, I should have fixed that car back up. I should have, you know, I should have fixed it. My brother drove it later on. My dad fixed it so that my younger brother could drive it later on. It was hilarious. Like the, because of the damage, the floorboards were rotten, you know, because it's Colorado salt and all that kind of stuff. You know, that white stuff that comes down, snow. And so, you know, it was rotted out. And so he would actually, like, throw trash out the floorboards i'm like that is just wrong dude you know but i love that car and i should have taken care i should have restored it back to the way it was god wants the same thing for your sexual relationships god wants the same thing for your relationships god wants the same thing for you so you got to understand god created you perfect god looks at you and he says you are my masterpiece but sometimes we get in a wreck and we get damaged and we get bumped, and we get bruised. And God says, you know what? I don't want, I know you're, that's where you're at, but I don't, want to, I don't want to leave you there. I want to restore you. I want to take you from wrecked to restored. I, I want to make you feel brand new again. And, and, and I want to clarify this, because as we've talked about sex and sexuality, I know that there are some of you that have had to walk through it where someone has taken it from you. I want you to understand is God looks at you way differently. He knows you didn't give it away. It was taken from you. And God loves you and he cares for you. Now for those of us that chose to give it away, I I, I wrecked my sexual relationship. I wrecked who I was because I gave it away. And it wasn't until I was 21 years old and I looked into the face of God and I said, you know what, I can't do this anymore, that I was restored. And so we're going to walk through it. So I'm going to ask you to pull out in your program, there's an insert that has fill fill in the blanks. And I want you to be able to follow along because I think it's important that we understand what does God say about us going from wrecked to restored? What does God say about our sex and sexuality? What happens when we've messed up? What happens when we've gone through a place and we are just struggling? There are verses in there we're going to bounce around. It's not like we're going through a set of passages, so you're best off just to follow along. But the first thing we understand is to go from wrecked to restored, first thing we have to do is we need to be totally open and honest. We need to be totally open and honest. Now, I'll, I want you to understand, that's with God. We need to be totally open and honest with God. And I want you to understand, God doesn't go, oh, I didn't know that. You know? When you share things with Him, He doesn't go, oh, surprise right 
He knows, but it's part of that beginning of saying, God, this is not my life, this is yours. And I'm being totally open and honest. So we need to be totally open and honest with God. Because the question is, what is stopping me from being 100% truthful? What is stopping me from being 100% truthful? I believe the main thing is guilt. Our guilt. And that's something we hold on to. You know, as we ask God for forgiveness, part of that forgiveness is letting go. For the first couple of years in my marriage, I didn't let go of that guilt. See, I knew that when I got married, I didn't save myself for her. And that was a thing I struggled with. See, I, I had to walk through that. I had to be open and honest. I had to be open and honest with her. I had to be open and honest with my family. Maybe some of you in here need to be open and honest in your relationships with your boyfriend, your girlfriend. Say, you know what? We've gone this way. I am not going to do that again. Maybe it's with your family. See, it, it's awesome to me because I, I know that right now there are people in here going, I don't know what he's talking about. And you're lying. See, what, what God is looking for is real people. God is looking for us to be honest and open and real with him. And I'll be honest with you, I am sick and tired of fake. You want to know why? I work in a church. And many of you are going, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> then it's probably you I'm talking to. <laughs> God wants real and over. We are sometimes coming to church, it is the most, it's like, praise God, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and inside your life is crumbling around you. Your heart is breaking. But we're going to come and we're going to put on a good show. I am sick and tired of fake. I look into the faces of students whose parents live in a fake world and they're dying. I am done with fake. And I'll be honest with you, if you don't want to be open and honest and you know, if you don't want to be real, <laughs> there are plenty of other churches out there that you can do that at. Go find them. Because I'm done. I've talked to Ken about this. You know, you got to understand, Ken and I... <laughs> There, there's a, a spectrum. There's this grace and mercy, and then there's the not grace and mercy. This is Ken. This is me. Okay? We, you know, we've done the spiritual gifting things, and, you know, grace never even shows up on the billboard for me. You know, it's just, you know, it's one of those, <laughs> my wife always goes, I'm here to talk to the kids because I love them, and you're here to scare them. <laughs> That's right. But it's the thing. We've got to be real. I'm sick and tired of real. God wants real people. God wants us to be open and honest with each other. Why? Because we need each other. We need each other. I can't do this without you. You can't do this without me. If we can't be real here, then why else do we come? Open and honest. God wants us to be honest. Look at Proverbs 28, 18. The honest will be rescued from harm, but those who are crooked will be destroyed. Got to be honest with him. Psalm 51, 1 through 3. I love this because this is right after David. Notice it says David after he's been confronted by Nathan after his, uh, his an affair with Bathsheba. It says David, a psalm after he was confronted by Nathan about the affair with Bathsheba. Generous in love, God give grace. Huge in mercy, wipe out my bad record. 
Scrub away my guilt. Soak out my sins in your laundry. I know how bad I've been. My sins are staring me down. I'm going to let's be honest. We don't need anybody to tell us where we've done wrong. We already know it. We've got that feeling. You know, that gut feeling where you know you've done something wrong. You've had to walk through that. It's almost a sick feeling. God knows. So we've got to be open and honest with Him. We've got to be open and honest with each other. Next thing is this. We need to change our direction. After we were open and honest, we need to change direction. Do you know this is actually the definition of what the word repent means in the New Testament? You always hear people say, well, did you talk about repentance? Yeah, I said change your direction. I was once walking this way, my way, now I'm walking God's way. See, I grew up in a conservative church where the pastor stood up there and went, repent, repent, you're all going to hell. I'm going, I'm walking out the back door. You're freaking me out, dude. You know? Repentance means to change the direction. I was going this way. I was having sex out of sight of marriage. I was walking through this in sexual. Now I'm not. Change the direction. The question we have to ask is, who is in our circle of influence that's going to help us do that? Who is going to hold us accountable? And as we walk through that, there are a couple of things we've got to think about. Is what relationships do I need to get rid of? Maybe there's some relationships. Uh, in fact, Rick Warren and Andy Stanley, two pastors in very big churches, they talk about this. They, they have uh, you know, counseled people that once you have entered into a sexual relationship with someone outside of marriage, you need to break that relationship off. Because you've already gone too far. So they need to say, you need to step away. And you know what? A lot of people, they don't want to hear that. Well, we, we still love each other. We can do this. You've already done it. Step away, change direction. Maybe you need to tighten up some relationships. Make them stronger. Someone that can hold you accountable. Maybe it's someone that can speak straight to you. Maybe it's someone that can monitor, monitor your media intake. See, I work with high school students, middle school students. Internet porn. Pay-per-view. It's easy. See, I, I actually have an accountability relationship with the former youth or worship pastor at the last church. He and I had this accountability relationship, and he could ask me the tough question. He knew what to ask me. And it was one of those things, there were certain times, I'll be honest with you, in my life, that I would avoid him. You know, it's like, hey, how you doing? I'm like, hey, got to go baptize someone. You know, <laughs> Praise God, people going to hell, got to help them. You know? <laughs> come here, come help. No, I can't do that, you know. I'd avoid him. Why? Because that gut feeling that we talked about, when, when I'm not open and honest, I'm struggling. And there were times I didn't want to talk to him. He'd ask that question. I'm like, okay. Are we changing the direction of our relationships? Are we monitoring our media intake? One of the things that we did was we had, there is a, 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 a ministry called triplexchurch.com. And you can go on there. It is a Christian ministry. They actually are going and sharing the gospel with people that are in the porn industry. Okay? But they also have a website that helps you Keep each other accountable. So if you go to a website, you click on it, it sends a report to your friend of what websites you visited. See, I love that. See, when I say that, when people go, oh, that means you don't want to do it, do you? <laughs> Last service, same thing. <gasps> I heard it. <gasps> you afraid someone's going to see what you've been visiting? Change direction. I read in a study by Rick Warren, they said 75% of pastors have an internet pornography problem. Why? 
because it's easy to hide. We're not, on, uh, we're not open. We're not honest. We're not real. I have someone that sees my websites. I don't want anybody to think I'm doing something shady. And I'll be honest with you. When you're doing a message on sex, it's a little hard. <laughs> Ken and I talked about it. He goes, if someone saw my search engine, they'd think we're doing something wrong. <laughs> but we hold each other accountable. We talked about it. See, we've got to change that direction. We've got to look. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. But remember this. I love this. Wrong desires that come into your life aren't anything new and different. Many others have faced exactly the same problems before you. And no temptation is irresistible. You can trust God to keep the temptation from becoming so strong that you can't stand up against it. For he has promised this and he would do what he says. He will show you how to escape temptation's power so that you can bear up patiently against it. See, that's accountability with someone. There's, there's someone else that's already walked through it. Find that person. Get that, change the direction of what you're doing in relationships. Ephesians 5.3 in the message version says, don't allow your love to turn into lust, setting off a downhill slide into sexual promiscuity, filthy practices, or bullying greed. You know, I always thought it was amazing that if you go through the New Testament and they talk about sex and sexuality, that money is related to that. You ever notice that? A lot of people go, I don't understand. Well, it's because we love the sex side of things and we love money. It's kind of like the same thing. So we need to change our direction. We need to be totally open and honest. And then the next thing is we need to remind ourselves of who we are. Okay? We need to remind ourselves of who we are. We need to ask the question, do I know the truth about me? Do I know the truth about Jesus? Do I know the truth about my life? You know what? I think it's way easier for me to let you see someone talk about it than to hear me talk about it. So check out this video. I'm going to just get some coffee. Just go up here to the coffee place and grab some. You're going to leave without saying a word, no goodbye, no nothing. I love you, you know. You do, no matter what, you need to know that. Yeah, right. What do you mean by that? I don't mean anything by it. Yeah, what are you trying to say by doing that? I'm not trying to say anything. Sure you are. What is there to say? I've been cheating on you. You want details? Is that in details? Please, just go out and grab a cup of coffee. That's all you I'm really need to stop forgiving me like this, Jenny. I'm leaving. Lisa. Lisa, please. No, here. Here's your ring. Would you please just take the ring? Come on, Lisa. After all those nights I waited up for you, you can't give me the time it takes to drink a cup of coffee? Jimmy, please. Just a cup. No. A single cup of coffee, that's all I'm asking. What is it with you and the coffee? You make it sound like salvation or something. I don't want coffee. Would you please just take the ring? Why don't you just take it to a pawn shop and hawk it or something? I'm not taking it back. You know, 
Jimmy, it's not just the infidelity. Your birthday? I wasn't at work like I said I was. I was with somebody else. Somebody else? You know what I mean. That pocket watch I gave you? I didn't have time to go get your gift. So he gave it to me. That was his watch. Maybe you ought to give that back to him. Can't you see what I mean? I tried to be a good wife to you. I did. But there's something wrong with me. I can't do it. And you're a good man, Jimmy. You deserve better than that. I don't want better than that. I want my wife. No, you don't. Yes, I do. No, you cannot love this. Nobody can care for this. You think that I'm stupid? And I can't see that you're a walking contradiction? that video, I want you to understand that the man in that picture is God. The woman is us. I want you to walk away thinking about that. I want you to think about what he said. Wow, he loved me that much. See, when we look at the truth of who we are, We need to understand that there is a God that says, I love you that much. Because I'll be honest with you, I'm a person that messed up when it came to, to sex and sexuality. And I didn't think it was going to be that hard to stand there and talk to my wife about where I'd been and what I'd done. I didn't think I was going to have to step forward and talk to my children about where I've been and what I'd done. See, sometimes we don't realize the things that we do now really do affect us later. But the thing is, is as we look at the truth at who we are, God says, you may start out that way, you may be broken and damaged, but I am not going to leave you that way. I'm going to take the wreck and I'm going to restore so as we look at the truth about ourselves, we need to understand, first thing is this, the truth about who Jesus was. Jesus said in Titus 2.14 that he gave his life free from every kind of sin to cleanse us, to make his very own people totally committed to doing what is right. 
I want you to understand that when Jesus put his life on the line, when he died on the cross, he knew exactly who you were. He knows exactly where you've been. And he did it for you. He did it for me. And the Bible says that he wants no one to be without him. And I know there are some of you sitting here but saying, but God doesn't know how bad I feel. God doesn't know how far I've gone. Yes, he does. And he loves you anyway. See, my wife loved me anyway. So what does that say about me? Okay, first I've got to know the truth about Jesus. Next thing I need to know about me is this. Galatians 4, 5. God sent Jesus to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own children. You are going to be adopted into God's family. You are not alone. You are not some child out walking the streets on your own. Although you may feel that way right now. You're not. God wants to put his arms around you. I, I have to be honest with you. The picture that I get is this God who grabs his son or daughter and puts his arms around him and says, it's okay, I love you. I'm there. I know you're hurting. But I don't want you to stay there. I know you feel unwanted. I know you feel dirty. I don't want you to feel that way. So we know the truth about Jesus. We know the truth about us. We know the truth about our life. Our life is not our own. As we enter into a relationship with Jesus Christ, as we look at him and know that 2,000 years ago, he hung on the cross and he died, paying the price for our sins, our life is not our own. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. I know some of you are sitting here very confused, and you don't know what's, what's going to happen next. You're hurting. Maybe some people have said some things to you that hurt you. I want you to understand, God loves you. God cares for you, no matter what. Whether it's been taken from you, whether you gave it away, when it comes to our sex and sexuality, God says, I can make all things new. I can take the wreck and I can make it restored. See, I can say that because at the age of 21, I did that. I looked in God's face and I want you to understand, I grew up in church. I could stand up, I could sit down, I knew when to sing the hymn, when to raise my hand. But at 21, I had to look at God in the face and say, I'm wrecked. I'm wrecked. I need restored. Because I'll be honest with you, it's not easy when you step into a room of people that you think are going to judge you real quick because of what you've said or where you've been, or what you've done. See, God wants changed lives. He's looking for people that are changed. And as we walk through that, as we realize who we are, the truth about ourselves, you know what the next thing is? is we got to share our story. we got to share our story. we got to tell people about what's gone on in our life, what, what has happened. we got to share our story. There are a couple of things that we need to understand. Is uh, God asked us to. Why should we tell our story? The question you should ask yourself is, why should I tell my story? Well, number first, number one thing is this. Jesus did. 
Jesus told stories. Jesus told stories about his own life. Jesus was a great storyteller. He didn't walk up and give a you know, seven-point theological disposition on what it meant to be saved or what it meant to experience grace. What did he do? He told a story about it. He walked up and showed people grace. Luke 19 through 28, or 1928 says, after telling this story, Jesus went on towards Jerusalem walking ahead of his disciples. We need to tell our story. Why do we need to tell our story? Number one is this. Uh, we need to understand that we are God's method to his message. Okay? We are God's method to his message. God does not put up billboards. I know some of you may have seen billboards that say they were from God. Those billboards drive me nuts. I want to puke. Didn't see you in my house today, God. Like he was that upset that we didn't show up on church on Sunday. You know what I think he'd really say? I saw what you did last weekend. And I love you anyway. But you know what? God chose not billboards. He chose us to be his method to his message. He chose us to share our stories, to share the story about what he's done in our life. Look what it says in 2 Timothy 1.8. So you must never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me either. Even though I'm in prison for Christ, when the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer for me, with me for the pro- proclamation of the good news. We should be telling people our story. Many of us in the room are messed up. Wait a minute, let me change that. All of us in this room are messed up. And we've got a story to tell. Because once we were messed up, we came into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now we're new. We're still messed up, but we're a new creation. God says, you are new. I I have taken away. Your sins are as far as the east is from the west. You'll never see him again. So if we continue on that, because his story is our story, and our story is something we need to share. And you know what? Those stories changes people's lives. That's what God's looking for is change, change lives. And that's where we share our story. A lot of people think, well, I'm a Christian. I'm going to let my life be a testimony. I'm never going to tell t- people about Jesus, but I'm going to be a good person. Great. That's wonderful. I ride a motorcycle, okay? I own a, a, a Kawasaki. I took the emblems off the side of the motorcycle so people think it's a Harley, all right, because I couldn't afford the Harley, right? Still looks like a Harley, doesn't it? I have people walk up, hey, is that a Harley? <laughs> no, it's Kawasaki. <laughs> so walk up, oh, you're a good life? Yeah, you're a Christian? Maybe. Just living a good life, doesn't you got to tell people your story. I go back to the Bible. In the New Testament, there was a blind man. Jesus healed this blind man. Never saw Jesus. The religious people are grueling him. Who did this? What happened? He's like, I don't know. I don't know. Who did this? Finally, he goes, hey, what? listen. All I know is once I was blind, now I can see. It's a story. Your story and God's story changes lives. Jesus wants to use you. Jesus wants to use your story. Look at what it says in Psalms 51, 12 to 13. Bring me back from my gray exile. Put a fresh wind in my sails. Give me a job teaching rebels your way so that they can find, the lost can find their way home. I'll be honest, I put, the, you know, I put this partly in because I liked you know, where it said, put a fresh wind in my sails. I put that in there for Ken. I mean, he's sailing. He likes the sailing thing. Fresh wind in the sails. I like the other part. 
give me a job teaching rebels your ways. So the lost can find their way back home. If you've been hurt, if you've been damaged, if you've been broken, God says, come back home. I'm the home you were supposed to have. I'm the daddy that you're supposed to have. See, change people is what God wants. Change people is what he wants people to see. Change people is at the heart of why we've been talking about sex for the last four weeks. Because for our sex and sexuality, we need to make some changes, and we need to make some today. We need to start today. So the question I'm going to ask you is, what does God want me to do today so that I can go from wrecked to restored? What are the things that I need to do? Maybe it's breaking off a relationship. Maybe it's starting a new relationship. Maybe it's starting a new relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm going to ask everybody in this room to bow their heads and close their eyes. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.